0: And when it it does that, then it's a beautiful thing. Because what you want the drinker to do is to drink the glass readily, easily, and get to the last drop and put their glass down and think to themselves, wow, that was so good, I have to have another one.
1: Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. We're in Montana.
2: We are. It's weird, we're just outside of Yellowstone.
1: Which means we're actually right on the edge of Montana?
2: Idaho? And Wyoming. Wyoming, yeah. It's weird, I never realized how massive Yellowstone is.
1: <laughs> yeah, we went I mean, but we haven't went been through here. there um a few days ago, but before that it was like what how old were you? Maybe thirteen?
2: I think so, yeah. I was like in junior high and I was probably You were even younger, right?
1: Eight, maybe.
2: <laughs> yeah, I th- so I don't remember much other than I remember steam going up in the air and hot water and a bunch of holes in the ground and
1: I don't even remember all the holes <laughs> in the ground. When we were walking through um the uh, old faithful area and all the different geysers oh, i yeah. had no idea there were so many
2: no i remembered that there were a few but i yeah i did not at all remember how many there are and now i don't know if it was the same setup when i was a kid and when you're a kid
1: that was a long because there's a
2: nice long trail through there now that's you know, I don't I don't remember how many miles it was, but it was a few miles of trail that just winds around through the different geysers and stuff. And there's like bison out there and
1: we saw elk. all kinds
2: of stuff. We saw elk. I mean, it's yeah. pretty cool.
1: So we cool. actually entered in from the east entrance and drove all the way through to Old Faithful, which is closer to the west entrance.
2: A little bit closer. <laughs> not, not much. I, don't, yeah, but I think it is a good bit it's closer, but it's, it's massive. So
1: big. So for all those people out there who went as a child and have not gone back to Yellowstone, go back. <laughs> it's so pretty. I just forgot.
2: It was, and it was cool. We got to stay with some friends in the park um, at a campground there and hang out. Some and then, friends that we keep trying to say goodbye to, but we just can't seem to say goodbye for longer than a week or two. And then I think one of the cool things for me was like going out to breakfast the next morning
1: in West Yellowstone.
2: Yeah. We, we went to West Yellowstone for breakfast, but the drive out was really cool. Cause it was earlier in the morning and it was not cold, but kind of crisp out in the air. And so like geysers, these geysers are everywhere in the little chromatic pools and stuff and the hot water in there just sends a steam billowing up in the air, like all throughout the park. And it was just really cool. Cause I Don't Uh, have any kind of memory of
1: that. No, I don't either. Anyhow, Yellowstone was really cool. (laughs) Um, Just for people who really have to do some work while they're in Yellowstone, uh, a cell signal, good luck. Um, So we basically ended up camping outside of Yellowstone, um, just outside of West Yellowstone, actually. We're about eight miles outside of West Yellowstone.
2: Yeah, we found a cool um, just dispersed camping off Danny Danny Creek. Creek.
1: Dispersed, Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful, though.
2: Yeah, we found one spot, and if you keep going, you can go by this lake and there's even more spots up there too, I guess. But, um, yeah, we just found a really cool spot to hunker down for a few days and just kind of, I don't, we needed to get some work done and we needed to, I think just kind of recharge our batteries and just you and me for a little minute
1: and stay still for a little bit,
2: stay still for a minute. And we've gone out hiking and there's not really good mountain biking trails right where we're at. So we've just kind of been chilling and doing some nice hikes and stuff. And it's been fun i'm just a little disappointed
1: in what
2: we haven't seen any like elk or bison
1: we saw bison in yellowstone
2: no right here where we're camped
1: well yeah
2: although i don't want them right outside my door that's
1: (laughs) so hopefully though that's okay so yes it's been lovely like recharging and finding your balance, and you said that you're disappointed because you didn't see wildlife, besides the squirrels <laughs> or chipmunks. <laughs> Lots of squirrels However, and <laughs> it is time to move. It's time to, like, go back to Yellowstone again, and we're going to head out towards Lamar Valley, um, where I don't think it's as populated with people, and there's supposed to be better chances of possibly seeing a wolf. I would love to see a wolf April's in the wild. was
2: hooked on wanting to see a wolf, so... But even if I
1: would just hear a wolf. So we're going to leave really, 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 really. Did I say really? Really. 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 Early.
2: Go do a little hiking.
1: In the morning and um, take some time and hike and move on north from there.
2: Yeah, then I think we're going to go back up into Montana for a little bit.
1: And that is finally where we're going with our podcast this week.
2: It is, because we were in Montana roughly a year ago for a beer conference. Beer now, beer conference. Yep. For beer journalists and podcasts and all that stuff.
1: And we but came across a lot of breweries, but one of them kind of really stuck with us. It blew me away, though. Yeah, it was unexpected. How
2: many, how many craft breweries there were and how many Scotch ales there are. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was like
1: in And Huckleberry's. You're in Huckleberry land. Yeah,
2: yeah, huckleberries. You're my Huckleberry. I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of cool breweries. And this uh, our podcast today is one of those breweries that we... That we went and sat down with the guy who started it and
1: Jim Loiters Luter- Loiters. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> yes, we... he's like an OG in the Montana brewing scene.
2: He really is, cause he helped. If anybody knows Montana beer at all, you know Baron Brewing. Yeah, and he helped Baron get set up when they first started in, on this beautiful German brew house system. Uh, cause I'm pretty sure, if I recall the story right that's where he got his brew system was from them because they kind of stepped up their game a little bit to a bigger system or something
1: i thought he went to portland to get a system and i think he talks about that in the podcast so maybe we'll okay, let him maybe explain
2: I, yeah we better let him explain it because my memory is cloudy
1: <laughs> but anyhow like jim's it, pretty cool because he's a previous van lifer
2: he is he's yeah. a van lifer um
1: love skiing his
2: brew system just to see the, even if you are not like a, a brewer or a beer Like equipment nerd or anything. It's just a beautiful brew house set up because it's copper and shiny and uh, it's just gorgeous.
1: a farm on three acres in gorgeous, I think it's like Flathead Valley area in Montana. Um, It's in Steve which we talk about as soon as we get on the podcast with them. Um, Stevenson, Montana. It's just a beautiful area there. Oh, and it's a harvest host.
2: Yeah, he's got a lot of property. And, you know, being a van lifer, I'm sure it was pretty easy for him to jump into the harvest host deal.
1: What is a harvest host kid?
2: <laughs> <laughs> a harvest host? Good. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. A harvest host is the program itself is basically you sign up and pay a yearly fee is like seventy bucks or something like that, 70, 80 bucks, whatever it is. And you get access to like oh something like twelve hundred or so I don't know. There's always more. They keep adding more and more sites, but breweries, wineries, distilleries orchards, farms, alpaca farms, all kinds of different places that you can go if you have a self-contained vehicle.
1: There's also another and membership level, too. you can camp too. there
2: overnight for free.
1: Yes, but there's also another membership level through Harvest Host where you can do golf courses, too.
2: That's true. So That's it's... an add-on to Anyhow, it. Anyhow. But, yeah.
1: um, But, yeah, he's a Harvest Host member, and we, you know, I mean, come on, we, we got to be plugging this for some reason. I mean, yeah, please stay at the brewery. It's awesome, because Wildwood Brewing is awesome. But also, like, we have an affiliate link and a membership, too. So, like, if you sign up through our link, which I'll put in the show notes, then you also get a discount and we get some credit. Yay! <laughs>
2: <laughs> and honestly, we wouldn't talk about Harvest Host so much. We do talk about them a lot, but that's only because we really love the program. They're good people. They're all about everybody winning from the situation, not, like, taking advantage of people. Yeah. So that's why we feel pretty darn good about promoting Harvest Host and, and who- the people who are Harvest Host Hosts like wildwood <laughs> yeah.
1: and who wouldn't want to spend the night at a brewery
2: i don't know because that to me all that does is open up my wallet to say okay give me two or three more beers than i was gonna have because now i don't have to no. have just the one or two and drive now i get to stay here and drink the good stuffs uh, no yeah. it's just jim is,
1: jim is also at wildwood though jim is also pretty cool he's very um creative innovative unique Uh, focused on sustainability and really wants to make mushrooms grow mushrooms and oysters not those kind
2: of mushrooms we're talking real mushrooms. whatever you want to
1: think mushrooms and oysters (laughs) from the brewery wave from the brewery waste right so he's got all these different ideas and plans and i know he's constantly been working on that and trying to create more hours in the day so he can do that so if you're ever in the area of montana where wildwood is at and stevei
2: yeah check it out it's a really cool place it's beautiful and the brew house is beautiful the property is beautiful it's a great place to stay really good beer and they have wood-fired pizza too outside a pizza oven outside but uh with that we should probably get into the podcast and let jim do the talking before we do all the talking for jim too late and i mess it all up like i did here's jim yeah, that's the, the the short. That's right. You learn. You picked that up. Yeah, right? yeah.
0: So it's Stevensville, but we call Stevi here. The locals will call it Stevi for short. Yeah, so, uh, call it the oldest in Montana, the oldest uh, city or town in Montana.
2: Oh, that's right. We have
0: so settlers came somebody. here real early on, and that's kind of their claim to fame is, you know, one of the oldest settlements in Montana. They say the oldest town. And you're one of the longest brewing brewers in Montana. <laughs> yeah, I'm I guess that's just. That's just. No, know, yeah, that snuck all. up on me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, right. Hopefully I don't look, look the part too much, but, you know, I've been doing it a while, commercially for, well, since 87. So. Right. We're at Wildwood right now in um, Stevie I. And I started uh, like you guys did as a home yeah. brewer. In my early college days, the early 80s, I was a home brewer
2: right and a lot of guys did do that and still do Mm -hmm. and make that move up to pro but you you kind of took a little bit different route and took it a little further because you were a pro brewer for a while but then i mean you went all in yeah because i I was i was
0: fortunate too because when i went to germany when i went to Dolman's academy to study brewing studies uh it was they offered the brewer the master brewers program condensed into one year for an international group with no vacations, so oh, the German students would go two years, okay. And uh, you get your master's degree if you graduate from, from the two-year program. But there's huge vacation times, you know, summer right. and spring. All just Which like kind of like traditional like
2: European thing too. Yeah, traditional
0: American. European, and the first year is like getting all the, the class up to the same speed in mathematics and all these other things because they come from all over the country and even out of the country. Okay. So I was lucky that they had this program and I just happened to be there for it for that year. They didn't do it the next year and they've never done it since. Oh, wow. So So I was really lucky because I got the master's program in a year in the English language. And there was an international group of students there. Like in my class were the head of the Coors Brewery, head of the brew house, head of the cellar, and head of packaging were all in my class. Oh, wow. And they worked directly under John Coors. These are the three guys right under John Coors. They were in my class and then there was brewers from all over the world. The head brewers from breweries all over the world. So they would send their key person to get get up to speed and the latest technology.
2: You did it on your own.
0: I mean, you actually had to leave your job, I think, yeah, I left my job and I was, I think, the only student paying his own way. (laughs) So I really wanted an education because I could imagine myself flicking Deutschmarks out like every minute.
2: It was expensive to do that. You quit your job. And you went to do a year-long brewing program. How do you pay for that?
0: Yeah, you without a job. I know, and I wasn't a rich person at all. Because I heard there's a story behind how you paid for it. Well, I restored a, f- a 1952 Chevy pickup truck, which here in Montana you could get. You'd find them on every street corner almost, and yeah, riding it. Right? Yeah, about yeah. in their back, right? Like, hey, so yeah, yeah. So I actually, I actually towed this carcass home, uh-huh. and it came with boxes of parts, engines, and pieces and parts. Okay. And it took me two years, and I restored the thing. It looked really pretty. I painted it myself and uh, made a nice truck out of it. I shipped it to Germany.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> and I
0: drove it around Munich for like eight months. And that was I your sold sales it.
2: pitch, was drive it around and make <laughs> and everybody And it still salivate. had Montana <laughs> license
0: plates on it. I had an international driver's oh, license. Really? And wow. I drove it around cool. Munich, and then I finally sold it. And the guy that bought it was a young fellow, and he gave me 15,000 Deutschmarks, which... Wasn't really enough for tuition. Okay. It was a lot of money though. That's an, yeah. and and it was like eleven thousand U.S. dollars
2: at the okay. time. And this was.
0: And this was a three a three hundred dollar pickup that I bought in Montana.
2: Oh wow. So <laughs> so a good return on your sweat equity. So the guy gave me, and me and cash,
0: and I walked into the director's office the next day, and I dumped the cash onto his <laughs> table. I walked into the, the director of the school's office, and I dumped the cash onto his table. <laughs> And I asked him, is this enough to pay for tuition? Because he knew I hadn't paid yet all of it. You right. know, I paid a down payment to get enrolled. And he didn't even count it. He says, yeah, they will do. <laughs> and all I cared about was getting the piece of paper. So we have no idea. And I, I, got and I imagine sweat. if I walked out the door, I imagine <laughs> he just opened the desk door and shoveled it in. I'm sure that's what he did.
2: Like, how did, how did you come to Wildwood here in, in Steve um, cuz I know you know you worked a long way but this is a big ambitious project.
0: Well, I didn't it. have my job and I went to Portland and set up the brew house that you saw a moment ago. Right. Uh, in 92. And then I moved back to Montana in 94 uh, or in 93 I guess it was. And I uh, started getting calls from people that want to set up, help setting up a brewery. So I started traveling and helping people set up breweries. So I got thrown into consulting just on a uh, you know by chance. Right and uh, i'd get a job and a little time would go by and then i'd get another job and more time which was a cool lifestyle for a young bachelor yeah you know cuz i made i made breweries. good money you know hourly rate yeah. was great i made it with so much time off to go play and have fun oh, because i like awesome. i told mention i like to ski yeah. i like to go in the back country i used to fly hang gliders and I'd go flying all the time. I'd take my rig with my glider and all my toys, and go travel out to a brewery startup job,
2: and I'd camp oh wow, and set up a brewery, and then go to the next one. So that was a cool life. So you would go. Did you did you live in an RV by chance? No, no. I lived <laughs> out of my <laughs> van. I lived hey, out of my even van. even better. I was van life. Oh yeah. So travel, thats that's a pretty cool way to go though, when you're young. Yeah, right? like to make your way in the world. I mean. It was fun. Well, here's, here's degree, what it was. getting paid well for it. Yes. Out of your oh, to and, then and, 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 a young, and I was a
0: young man, so it's yeah. usually reserved for older guys that are almost retired or semi-retired, that have yeah. been working the trenches in their industry for decades. Usually, the consultant right. is that character, I would say. So, and I was learning a lot, and I was like a very open mind, I'm still this, this is my philosophy, is very open mind, there's so much to learn and no one person can know it all. Oh, you have to, there's, there's, about anything. It's, that's what's cool about the profession actually, it's endless, you can never know it all. Because it's, it blends chemistry and microbiology and physics, they all come together. And there's very few professions. And art. And, and it's an, an art, art form. form. It's really only a science when you have to replicate the same thing day in and day out, otherwise it is an art
1: form. I mean that's why it's called right. craft beer. You're yeah. like kind of crafting you're it. Craft I'm with you. You're always 100%. a student. That's right. you're always it's really cool learning. you're always a
0: student. So when I went to each job I would work with Specialists in, you know, like the the steam fitters, the refrigeration specialists, the plumbers, electricians, all those guys, and I would pick their brains and learn from them because they had been working for decades in their field, and I didn't have that knowledge. And I would take notes when I got back to my my van. <laughs> I'd take yeah. notes and write it all down, and I was armed with that information for the next gig. Mm. So it was like on the job training, getting consultants' fees and having a lot of free time. Yeah. was fun.
2: there always a goal of eventually opening your own brewery then, down the road. That was or in the, was the
0: background. It was but I, just simmering I, I in back the background because I didn't have beer. resources to do anything like that. Mm-hmm. So things changed for me. I ended up buying this system that you see. Right. So Saxer Brewing went out of folded the company uh, Right as the first bubble burst was happening. So early 2000s. Okay, so
2: that transition. Yeah, from I don't know if you. Yeah, there was then. the first bubble. A it was mm-hmm. like
0: huge growth in the industry. And then it was still growing, but it panned off for a little bit there. There was a period. And there was a lot of closures. And it was a really bad time to sell used brewing equipment. And here he had used a brewing equipment. But a good time to buy it. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time to buy it. So Especially when I you found found the equipment. I knew the equipment better than anybody, and right? Because I really set it up.
2: beautiful, artistic equipment And too, I, right? I, Just
0: I offered my, I, I knew it was available because I saw it on the market. I was like, oh my God, they're selling that stuff. And I wanted it. Yeah. So I called my old employer and, and I said, I'll give you 50 grand for it. So in, 2000, in May of 2002, I bought the system. I raced out to Portland. And I loaded three flatbed trailers myself. I rented a forklift truck, took it of oh, the nice. warehouse, and loaded the trucks. And I raced the trucks and beat them back to Missoula. And I didn't even have a place to put them yet. Wow! So it, it had it happened <laughs> so fast, and I didn't not even that I didn't even have the fifty grand yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to come up with that real fast. Yeah.
1: What, what car did you build to? Buy that. yeah I restored yeah. A, a
0: 1969 BMW 2002 Wait, so you
1: actually had and this the was the
0: maiden voyage for it I nice. raced it out the pour the first miles on this car <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah. nice. I took every nut and bolt off that car and, and painted it myself Wow so that was fun so there there I had it you know and I had this and I found somebody to squat and you know to dump the equipment off in their backyard
2: <laughs> and for free for free although yards in Montana
0: are big <laughs> so because I didn't ask like what am I going to do with it now that I have it so I was either going to A I was going to start figuring out how I might build my own brewery and finance that and all the all the things that you can imagine or if that doesn't work out then I'll hopefully I'll sell it in a couple few years and maybe make a little money I'm lucky right. that was plan B hmm. cool. well you can see where what plan sh- shook out there but so it took me though years to do that. So it was 2012 when we opened March 2012. Wow. So, uh, so in 2009, in and I started it. restoring it and building this site. I got the site and I scratched ground in 2009. It took me two years to build this building, which was mostly my labor, largely, other than some framing carpenters. Mm-hmm. And uh, a year to put a brewery inside, which was almost all me doing that work. So three years is a long time to build a brewery but I just picked away at it day by day and I also would get a consulting gig here and there
2: and it would take okay. me away. So that un- but definitely explains why it would take a while too is yeah. just you're doing a lot yourself, you're working, funding it. And, nice I, and go, I did and it
0: and as thrifty as you could imagine anybody doing that project
2: right because this isn't just a new construction i mean you did some pretty unique things to i know this thought
0: place. about it a long time how i wanted my brewery to be and i, I had lots of time to plan it and mm-hmm. think about it and i made i think a building with lots of character and i made a very good functioning brewery that's efficient And uh, I did it on a shoestring budget. It took me longer. You can do them in a hurry, but they cost more money, and you may not get the results that you that you like or want.
2: Well, and you're also doing some cool things here because maybe you can talk a little bit about this. I mean, you you didn't just go order a bunch of new materials from you know wherever Home Depot or whoever and. You know, you used a lot of reclaimed materials, and you're you're reusing and upcycling. And you know, the term now is upcycling, but it probably wasn't at the yeah, time you were building. Right, you just right, like,
0: salvaged, reclaimed, repurposed a lot of it. Um, I think I read where you use things like um, like ash from the coal fly ash. Thirty percent was all they would let
2: me put into the co- all the concrete has thirty percent fly ash in it, and that's a waste stream
0: in Montana. And
2: that was just a decision to find a way to use that material so it doesn't just sit there and yeah. waste? Or
0: well, it's just it's just everything, all the materials I choiced, I thought about where did they come from, how were they made, and I tried to get local as much as possible right. and, and, and use something that wasn't virgin material that was recycled, or upcycled as you say, right. or had some sustainable theme to it.
2: Right, because I mean, a lot of this timber is from the, of the barn, right? Right. The
0: the barn frame was built in 1901. It was in Menominee, Wisconsin. We took it apart, tagged everything, you know, draw, made drawings, and stood it up here. And then straw bale walls, which is a local resource, and. Uh, the metal roof was made in Missoula by Epic Steel and they claim that they're 100% recycled metals in their roofs.
2: Okay. The
0: windows were made by Colossans in Missoula, so instead of getting windows from afar I bought them locally. Right. Every choice I thought about that. You know. So I'm very passionate about brewing and I'm, I'm passionate about sustainable systems. Those Wait, are two things that you're come you're together.
1: talking about like your systems and your sustainability and I know you also want to do a lot of integration. I guess yes. like how, because you had a question on that one, Kenny, like all the different plans that you have. Right. For like you,
2: your you've laid system. out some pretty ambitious plans to make everything kind of fit into its own little ecosystem almost here. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the focal point. The brewery is the focal point. But I mean, you've put that out there for everybody to see too. You're not just like, maybe I can make it happen someday. You put some pressure on yourself to make it happen. But I mean, how far down the road are you on that and how do, I don't even know how that evolves because I was like, "Wow, that is—it sounds incredible to have all of these elements working hand in hand, have this kind of symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. flowing all over the place." Mm-hmm. But how far down the road have you gotten with those plans? Well, What's that's a—this is a so
0: follow-the-dream thing. This project, and it's the reason I chose this site in Stevensville. Uh, it was because it had three acres available to me and that was kind of the bottom line I decided I needed three acres if I was going to do my dream project uh, we can continue along right. with what we want to do here w- with Wildwood which is build an integrated farming system around the brewery and what I mean by that is using the waste streams coming out of the brewing process as a value added input to another process right so instead of a waste uh, it becomes it's an output first of all, and it becomes an input to another process that creates another revenue stream where there wasn't one before, uh, instead of being a cost, because waste
2: streams are typically an expense. Right, so instead of throwing away your spent grains from brewing, you put those into another right element of the, of the farm, right, and exactly. you feed other... Uh, organisms, yes, that then create something that feeds another portion yes. and another portion. So it's so looking uh,
0: more like nature, actually, because this is right. the, the way nature operates. And if we look to, towards nature, we see perfection in, in this. There's nothing wasted in nature, right, right? Right. The tree dies in the forest, and it feeds all kinds of other organisms. So it supports everything. So that's kind of what we're thinking about here. So mm-hmm. growing mushrooms on the spent grain is mm-hmm. the prime idea because they come out of this process pasteurized you know right because you boil them we cook them (laughs) ahead of time for hours so if you were a mushroom grower you would have to find your substrate probably buy it and have shipping fees to get it to you and you'd have to use a lot of primary energy to make it sterile so to speak so because you can't have any competing organisms when you inoculate it with the spawn that you want to grow your mushrooms then it's got to be that just that otherwise you get a mess. So we have those two things taken care of here at Wildwood. So we want to grow mushrooms on, on this material. So all the breweries, including us, like today, the farmer came and picked up my spent grain. Okay. Yeah. And they took it away, and they're going to feed their pigs and their cows, which is better than nothing.
2: At least but it's not getting thrown out. At least it's not getting
0: thrown out. But this material is down to about 2% two to 3% carbohydrate. Because I measure it, by the way, I take all the goodies out to make my beer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a trace of protein, maybe one, one to two percent in protein, is left mm-hmm. in that material. The rest is cellulose and lignin bound together, which the animals do not break apart real easily. Okay. So even the cows and the pigs don't have the stomachs to
2: create okay. a lot of energy for themselves. So even that's not a very...
0: No, it's not. It's, it's really a poor food for these kind animals. Of a it, it's well, it creates Some gas in their bellies, is. and which which is a large greenhouse gas I contributor, okay. and all the rest. So it's just not ideal. But what organism does nature provide that breaks cellulose and lignin all day long and loves it? And that's the fungi family. Right. So growing right. mushrooms on that material is a beautiful yeah. thing. Right, and you can grow oysters on that okay. through a spent grain,
2: and those are tasty. So, you could grow oysters here in Montana? Yeah. And not the Rocky Mountain kind. (laughs) Yeah, right. No, I'm talking about (laughs) oyster (laughs) mushrooms.
1: Can you talk more, Jim, about your beer? It's organic? Yeah, beer is 100% organic. And And uh, one of
0: the main reasons is to use that downstream so all the residues would be under the same umbrella. Okay. You understand? So, that's an important factor for going Mm -hmm. organic. Besides, philosophically, I believe in it. It's a sustainable way to farm, and we need to all be doing this or thinking about doing this, you know, in the future.
1: How would you define like beer as organic? Like, what would be kind of your definition for that? Because it seems to have gotten like skewed maybe over the years. Yeah, well,
0: organic—it's a very strict uh, way of producing something, and the, all the ingredients used did not use petroleum-based or chemical or synthetic-based fertilizers and pesticides. That's very important, and. Uh, So organic farming is a much kinder way to produce our food because this idea of using petroleum products to keep our monocrops going has a finite number of years Mm -hmm. that we can do that. And then systems are crashing. Systems are already crashing right now. There's a lot of evidence towards that. So we only get so many years to do that, so it doesn't make any sense to keep doing that, right? Mm -hmm. And we're trying to wean ourselves off of fossil fuels anyway. So maybe we should think of a better way to produce our food. And so you get a lot, it's more intensive on smaller parcels typically, but you get a lot more from it. So uh, organic farming is kind of the future.
2: Do you see like beer coming back around to malt styles a little bit more lately or, cause like it, for a while now, hops have been the sexy rock star, <laughs> yeah, you true. know, jumping around yeah, and everybody's true. like, oh, what's the hop, what's the, you know yeah. what's the latest IPA yeah, getting? And, and that's interesting, even interesting now right? some of the IPAs are kind of getting a little crazy, but yeah. No. Do you feel like true. there's any kind of a, a pushing back around or
0: Um yeah, there will be, I think. Um, but I think more? here my opinion on this is uh, you can add a fair amount of hops to a beer, but it needs to be balanced with something. You know, I think the idea of just putting, uh, you know, 60-70 or more BUs in a beer is kind of ridiculous a little bit. You know, I mean, if if it's not balanced, it's like I think of it this way. If you're a chef and you're going to produce the the most world-class dish for somebody, mm-hmm. you put just the right amount of herbs and garlic and things in there, right? And you can't overpower it with any one of those things or it's just not going to be a good Dish, so it has to be balanced. So if you're going to put a lot of hops in, like some beer styles, even classic styles do have, like the pilsner, you know, the continental pilsner or the IPA that came out of Great Britain. Yeah, but it needs to be balanced with some malt. And when it when it does that, then it's a beautiful thing, because what you want the drinker to do is to drink the glass readily, easily. And get to the last drop and put their glass down and think to themselves, Wow, that was so good, I have to have another one. <laughs>
2: there you
0: go. And if you don't do that, if the brewer does if they're fighting through a glass and there's this lingering aftertaste for a long time, I say there's probably a mistake with that beer. Okay.
1: Speaking of good beer that you're drinking, what are you drinking?
0: Um, this is organic ambitious lager. Just a lager. Yeah, it's well, it's a Munich. Lager. Just a it's my it's lager. my version of a Munich-style Helles, technically.
2: So, which and a Munich Helles, you'd say like kind of that sweeter. It's got that kind of sweetness to it. Yeah, uh, it's got
0: it's balanced with malt and yes. hops, and it's not you know it's right in there. Yeah, this is a very
2: well-balanced beer. I mean,
0: that's the intention anyway. Yeah. And and brewers do their best yeah. to strive towards that. And a world class beer is one that's perfectly in balanced and demands another one when you finish it. D- just demands another one. It's like it has it leaves you with question marks over your head. Like wow, what was that? Mm-hmm. You know, I had the opportunity to go to the Pilsner Urquell brewery in Pilsen, and met brewers there. Source. and, and <laughs> Yeah, it's like and when you drink it fresh at the brewery, it's one of those world class beers. Mm-hmm. And it's got 40 BUs, or 38 I think, it's like up there, but it has a good amount of malt sweetness left, and you get this powerful hop at the beginning, but it totally disappears and vanishes, and it's gone when you finish your sip. The malt just makes your palate water enough to tear it right off, and you're like, whoa, what the hell was that? Give me another one, you have to have (laughs) another one. It's hard to stop drinking it, it's so good, it's that good. And that's the, my definition of a world-class beer, one that gives you that experience. The rest of them are just trying, trying to get there. How much of the beer world out there would you say is just trying? There's a few. I mean, this uh, the industry's still young, I would say, in the United States, yeah. and it's still growing up. Maybe we're teenagers, we're unruly yeah. teenagers. Which yeah, is teenagers. Teenagers right like now. to experiment,
2: oh and that's <laughs> a lot of that's going on right
0: <laughs> and now. And
1: you're always wondering how you survive your teenage years.
0: Yeah, and there are there kind are a, a few kind teenagers like
2: out there that are not gonna sur- that aren't surviving this. Yeah. Unfortunately,
0: it's less about what's in the camp bottle than what's you know how you market it. Yeah. I hate to say that, but it, it's the truth, and I learn this every day by the school of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. So I, you you. To make a really good beer, this is how you get a repeat customer. But you have to get it in a consumer's hand in the first place. And how do you do that? Marketing and having the right people and the channel of distribution to get it to the consumer. And if you don't have that, you're gonna fail too. So there's a lot more pieces to the puzzle. So when I first started this industry 30 years ago, you could brew it and they came. So you didn't have to spend any money on marketing, zero. You could just brew it, and we proved this in Missoula, Montana. In 87, we opened up the Byron Brewery and we brewed a fine beer. That enables to get repeat customers. But they all came anyway because it was like such a novelty, you know. Right. But now it's not a novelty anymore. I mean, look at Missoula, you got 10 breweries, and there's supposed to be two more. In right. a town of 60, 70,000,
2: that's uh, maybe pushing it. But you guys obviously did a good job at, at Byron because they're still there.
0: Yeah. Oh, those guys—they're pros. pretty—they're pros, fairly popular brewery, in all that. Yeah, and as it should
1: be, they make very fine beer. I know, I've been trying. So you have a lot of stories, and you're definitely not shy about telling your stories on <laughs> your website. Do you have a favorite story that you like to share, or a way to sum up all of the experiences you've had? Because you've had like—I love it. I could stay there for hours reading all that. Oh, huh. it's well written. I'm happy and to hear
0: that. Happy to hear that because that's. Well, that's the tricky thing is how do we as a small brewer tell our story and get our story out to the, to the public and the consumer, you know, I mean, we're in a commercial business, you know, I, I want to make money, sell enough beer so I can put it into these, these integrated systems I plan to do, into the next project and we're a little bit stalled with that. Everything's ready, it's designed and dimensioned ready to go. But time and money, I, I'm low on time because I intend to do most things myself. And uh, the money's the other thing. Um, I think money's out there, it's almost easier to find than time, well, it's, you know, in yeah. most case. And so we are struggling in a busy marketplace and cannot get wholesalers to pick us up they're just filled up and they don't want to take any new and that's the story that's why we need they need competition we need some third and fourth distributors in area instead of the big two and when I say big two it's there's the of Bush and then the Miller Coors those are the big two that dominate in any given town or region almost anywhere and we there's some third-wheel distributors starting up as specialty distributors and just selling the specialty craft brands that nobody else has. And that's really great. In the bigger cities, you'll see that.
1: We hope we can help you know, tell your a, story because you're already doing that and it's, it's brilliant.
0: Yes. Well, thank you. And I hope you can too. And, uh, and I appreciate your efforts in doing that generally for us brewers that are trying to make a name for ourselves. That's a good thing. That's trying. a cool thing. Hats off to you guys for doing that. <laughs> no, no, Here, cheers. hats off for you, Bruce. to you that. <laughs> this is a lifestyle choice for me, and uh, you know, I think it's probably evident to you both. Uh, if Jim wanted to make money, he would be somewhere else.
2: Oh yeah, you if
0: could he easily if he be consulting. If all the Jim, time. <laughs> yeah, or, or maybe or something. Maybe I yeah. go work for answer Bush and probably pull. My colleagues that worked at Coors were at, in 1990 were making 125 thousand a year. Right now they're making much more than that. Mm-hmm. So you know, I mean, that's not bad. <laughs> if you're, yeah, if you're about shabby. if you're about the money, then there's other ways to get money. But obviously, this is, has never been about the money for me. It's more about a lifestyle and that my choice of this location, and those those are all considerations. So yeah, I guess living that is. Um, So, maybe uh, I could say to people, young viewers out there, follow your dream. um, And theoretically, it should pay at some point. But there's rewards that are past money. I mean, certainly we all need it. We got to pay the bills and stuff and take care of ourselves. Um, But there's other ways to measure uh, success and measure
2: happiness and those kind of things. So, so with that, cheers. 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 I love that. <laughs> you know, I really loved the way Jim ended that with his idea that, you know, yeah, we all need to have a certain amount of money to take care of the things we need to take care of, but that's not what this lifestyle is all about. Or what, you know, at least that we've chosen, what he's chosen. It's about a lot more than that. And with his brewery, it's about a lot more than money and it's all about a lot more than beer. Like his whole idea of sustainability is really cool. And I know he just kind of touched on it in the podcast. And if you really have an interest in that, you should check out his website.
1: Which we talked about on the podcast. I Because I loved it because I, I was like, I could read it forever.
2: But you should go there and check it out because it's very in his ideal setup is very detailed um i don't know if he's ever going to be able to achieve that or not you know i hope so because i'd love to see how that works and how it plays out and and if it's successful i'd love to see other people do it too but um you know it's really cool just to see somebody pursuing a passion like that and and not worrying about uh did i make a million dollars this year Or did I make half a million dollars year? did we make a million, million dollars this year oh hell yeah we did <laughs> hell yeah baby did we spend
1: a million dollars in beer
2: Probably a little over that, probably like one point five in beer. <laughs> but um, we did not no, but again, that's not why we chose this lifestyle. Yeah. It wasn't because we thought, oh, let's go hit the road, let's quit our main job our mainstream jobs, let's go hit the road, drive around, uh try to find Wi Fi wherever we go and work from our R V and we'll be billionaires, baby. We will we will make this a mint. A mint on wheels. No.
1: No. 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 It's too much work.
2: Honestly, it's too much stress too. To like, for me, I mean, that's not my goal in life. I wanna, I wanna find happiness, and I wanna find, which I think we find a very large amount of that quite frequently.
1: I'm nodding. And you can't see me. <laughs>
2: she is nodding.
1: Yes. It's kind of but, cloudy and stuff today, and it's like melancholy. So I don't know. I just feel melancholy. So I'm just sitting here nodding.
2: <laughs> that's not why she. That's why she's not all bubbly and bouncy today wow maybe i need
1: a beer
2: (laughs) maybe you do need a beer it's
1: five o'clock somewhere
2: well and heading back up into montana we'll be able to find lots of beer there's not a ton of it around yellowstone (laughs) there's not a ton of beer but just up the road into montana there's neptune brewing and catabatic brewing in livingston 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 which is if you're coming out the north end of Yellowstone, you I think that's about the first place you'd go is Livingston into into any place that has breweries and stuff anyway, I think. So Neptune's and Catabatic. We could
1: th- be wrong. I don't know
2: if Katabatic is how you pronounce that, but it's... We've been wrong before. We've been to Neptunes before, really yes. good. And catabatic we might have to stop through this yes. time, I don't know. And just up the road from there is Bo- Bozeman's, just like a few minutes up the road from Livingston. And there's like Map and... Um, what else was there? map brewing there's madison river brewing bozeman brewing mountains walking a bunch of cool breweries that are up there um a couple we've been to a couple that we need to get to so i don't know we might be spending a couple days around livingston and bozeman i don't know again <laughs> again yeah we did we <laughs> you, did last time we you go back Arizona. to what you like yeah okay. and montana is pretty damn beautiful mm-hmm. so yeah we like it
1: Speaking of beers, though, we should probably, like, I don't know, we're going to cheers, but we should... And I do have a beer now, so we should just tell people maybe what we're drinking. And since we did just come, basically, from Colorado...
2: Not too long ago. ...we have
1: some Colorado beers. And, you know, you can't shame us for drinking Brews beers. Yeah, Brews is awesome.
2: They focus on Belgian beers, mostly.
1: Brews, B-R-U-Z.
2: It's really good stuff. So, if you're around... Denver, North Denver... It's a great so place to go.
1: We had their quad because they came in a uh, four pack, a special four pack that you can
2: Yeah, pack. this was a cool one. It has the single, the double, the triple, and the quad, yeah. all in one box.
1: And so on a beach. Right now we have the double and the quad. Mm-hmm. That's <clears> how you <throat> do day drinking, baby. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> are you t- Tim Allen? <laughs> <laughs> know I am right people? now because those are
2: damn good beers. <laughs> For those old
1: people listening to this podcast. <laughs> Tim
2: oh, oh, oh. Allen. <laughs> <laughs> With that, we should probably let everybody get on with their days. And just remember to subscribe and leave a review and buy us a beer. You can do so on our website, com slash podcast.
1: And anywhere you travel or anytime you think about going to a brewery or mountain biking or adventures or anything like that, or you want to know about what, what beer to drink, um, think of us first. So, you know, in your head, be like, I wonder what Living Style Life thinks. And check us out.
2: Absolutely. And we've got the full yeah. we've got some guides out there right now so check them out.
1: Yeah. All right. Cheers to Montana. Cheers. We'd love to hear from you so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two or just say hey. This stout conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.